Yeah, what do you do with an introduction like that? It's like, okay, now the expectation, the bar's been set way up here. Um, yeah, this is, um, this is always a, it's a, a privilege and a challenge anytime I uh, get the opportunity to, uh, to share. Uh, my sister always said I should, be an, I should have been an attorney because I can argue pretty much any point, and, you, and by the time you're done, you kind of wonder, well, maybe I should have thought that. I don't know that that's necessarily the case, but um, there's been some, some things that I've really been, I've been wrestling with here, so hopefully this is more of a, this is more of a conversation, um, and it's an opportunity to be a, a little uh, vulnerable, because I think sometimes that's the, that's the, the best opportunity uh, is when we come together and you feel like you've, you've thought something that you didn't think about before. And you've examined something from a different perspective than you haven't uh, in the past. Because I know one of the things that I've really been wrestling with, and I, I shared this at, at our leadership meeting uh, last month. Um, you know, I, I know that it's absolutely true that Jesus loves me. I don't, I don't question that for a moment. I don't wrestle with that ever. But I, I look sometimes at the things that go on in and around my life, and, and I wonder, does he like me? And I don't mean that to be, I mean, it kind of comes across as, as funny, but, you know, you look at that, and it's like, you know, the, the people you like, you do, you, you, all, you try to do nice things for. The people, you, the people you love, they kind of expect it, but the, the people that you like, you just kind of, you, you do those, you, you do uh, a little above and, and beyond because you want to demonstrate to them that you like them. And I look at things sometimes, and I've come to the conclusion that there are really there are there are three kinds of, of prayer, and we're going to spend some time uh, talking about the middle one, you know, because I believe, and there's you know you can take this and you can run with it any way you like because it can go it'll break down at some point, but I you know there's there's answered prayer, that one's pretty simple, there's unanswered prayer, and there's unasked. Prayer. Now, I think that we we understand the first and the third one pretty pretty quickly because you know we all we we have those circumstances where there is a prayer that we know that we should have. There's a prayer that we should make, but it's like that you know people saying don't pray for patience because of what could come next. You know, and there, but then there's all kinds of things. It's like, you know, I've heard people uh, say that they're, they're not going to pray, um, you know, God, where, what's, where do you want to send me? Because there's no way that I'm going to Africa. There's no way I'm going across the street. You know how nasty that person is, and I really don't want anything to do with them. You know, there's those unasked prayers. And then there's the answered prayers. And, you know, I kind of... Um, I, I asked uh, Yo if he would mind me sharing this because I think sometimes it's, it's good and it's encouraging to hear about answered prayer. Now, most of you are aware that um, about, was it, it was two and a half, almost three weeks ago now, um, through just a total freak accident, um, Yo's car fell on him and trapped his, uh, and trapped his left arm uh, between the car and the jack. And it really was, you know, all the whys and whats and all that kind of stuff. We can, you will spare that for another time. But the, the fact of the matter was he was trapped under the car. And so the initial prayer was, God, please don't let the arm be broken. Okay, that's a simple enough, a simple enough prayer. Well, actually, the first prayer was, God, get the car off of me. <laughs> but, um, 
you know, and that's, you know, those are, we, we all have those prayers too, and it comes out something like, help, okay, and that's okay, that's a legitimate prayer, and, you know, God answered that, and there's a lot more to, the, to that part of the story of what all God did, and sometime when we've got more time, I'll share that, but so the first prayer was, don't let it be broken, well, God answered that, well, then the second part of the, the prayer for you know, had to do with the fact that when they finally got him scheduled to come in for the, uh, the MRI, what the uh, radiologist and the doctor saw was that the muscle in his left arm was, was almost all dead. That there was, she had not a lot of hope. Um, in fact, she was saying the reason that she wanted to hurry up and do this surgery was so that they could get him some modicum of use of his left arm again. But really, it was going to be, it was because he was young, he would get some use, but it really wasn't, it wasn't going to be much. Isn't that pretty accurate to what she said? Okay, so we said, okay, God, we don't accept that. That doesn't have to be what goes on here. And so would you do something? Would you, would, would you show up? Would you do something? Well, the next morning when we went into to surgery, what uh, we told, were told was going to be probably a 45-minute to an hour procedure was uh, right at two hours and 10 minutes. And so your, your, your mind, the way it works, okay, how many of you are going to be honest? The longer it went, the more you thought, okay, it's really bad. And that, I mean, that's the way my mind works. Let's be fair. You know, it's going, this is okay. This is going way longer than they said. This is really bad. When the, when the surgeon came in, she was almost giddy. She goes, I just, I can't believe this. We got in there and it was like, it was like none of the muscle was dead. It was, it was all, she goes, in fact, what I found was, yeah, that deserves an applause. And, you know, what I found was there were three large uh, blood clots. You know, I won't say it though. You know, there were three large, but she goes, I pulled the first one off and all the blood started running through where it was supposed to go in the arm. She goes, I thought that was pretty cool. And she said, then I pulled the second one off and it was apparently resting on the nerves and you, she could tell that all the feeling was coming back into his fingers. She said, I pulled the third one out and um, or found a minor rupture and I, I fixed that. She goes, but this was like so much better than I could have imagined. And um, my wife spoke up and said, well, we've been praying for him. And he's been praying. She goes, well, I don't know who he's been talking to, but he needs to keep talking to him. <laughs> and so that's, on that side, that's the, that's the answered prayer. I think that where we, where we tend to struggle, though, is really kind of that, that middle one, that, that un answered prayer. Those things that, that we've been asking, and I know that even in a, a room this side, if we went around the room, there are, there are situations in every one of our lives where we've been praying not just for hours, not just for days, but for years. And we've, we've asked these things over and over and over again. Um, in fact, one of the things that I, that I when I uh, was thinking about the, the title for this, I, um, I, in my own mind, I, I subtitled it when good things happen to bad people. Um, because I think sometimes we look at things and we, and we know where we try to stand and, and the things that we try to do. And somehow or another, these things that we're asking, God just doesn't seem to be listening. He doesn't seem to be answering, at least not in the way that we had hoped that he would or that we prayed that he would. And these things just kind of keep going. And then started reading um, this, this book 
Um, and my friend Steve here will tell you that this is no surprise to him because it's like every time I turn, he turns around, I'm sharing an another book with him that I'm reading. It's like, when do you have the time? Um, I don't. But um, I will tell you that uh, Mark Twain said that what you read when you don't have to will determine what comes out of you when you can't help it. So I want to I make sure that the things that I'm filling myself, uh, myself with are going to be those things that when I'm pressed um, and when I'm pushed, that those are going to be the things that come, that come out of me. Anyway, I'm reading a book by R.T. Kendall. Um, he, his, this book happens to be on, on Dave's uh, read list, too, and I would, I would heartily recommend this book. It's called It Ain't Over Till It's Over. Um, most of you, if, uh, if any of you are baseball fans, you'll recognize that that's one of the famous yogiisms. Um, interesting story. Uh, we won't go there now, but he actually got Yogi's permission to use that as the title for the book. He wasn't going to use it unless he could actually get his, his permission, which I thought that was kind of cool. Um, anyway, there were, um, there were two uh, specific passages that he alluded to there that I kind of want to start with there because I feel like they're really pivotal to understanding this. The first passage that we want to look at is in John chapter 5. So if you've got electronic devices or uh, Bibles, whatever, however you want to get there. John chapter 5. Of course, mine's not going to participate now. There we go. <laughs> it's telling me my server won't. Is it really? Oh, this is good. Um, Paula's not lost. Yeah, is that what it is? Yeah. Well, you know, this is um, when all else fails, right? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It all is going to be the same. Um, hopefully, mine decide that my internet here works. Um, I'll tell you in a second. This seems to be working. We're good. When all else fails, right? Hey, if it comes out all in Greek, it'll be really fun. Especially since I don't speak Greek, but that's... Anyway, these, th these two passages I'm finding are really pivotal, and they've, ch and they, they chal they've challenged this, and, and we'll, we'll come back to them in the end. Anyway, John chapter 5, um, let's start at verse 41, because this will, it all kind of it ties in. Um, verse 41, this is, Jesus is being, is now, uh, is being challenged by the Sanhedrin, and, um, and now he's talking back to him to understand. I think it's important that we remember that the Sanhedrin, um, were the, they were the religious leaders of his day. And I know we've, we've talked about this before, and most of us are aware of this. But um, I think these, these are the guys that were kind of setting the tone of what was, uh, what was God and what wasn't. Who got, if this was God speaking or if this was God doing. And um, anyway, Jesus looks at him after uh, all this stuff, and um, he says, verse 41, your approval means nothing to me. Because I know you don't have God's love within you. That's, for I have come to you in my Father's name, and you've rejected me. Yet if others come in their own name, you gladly welcome them. No wonder you can't believe. For you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone is God. And then we want to jump over to, um, to Hebrews 
chapter 2. Since we're all there. I really kind of want to go, um, I, I'd had a, a smaller part here, but there's, there's so much here that's so good that, um, that well, it ties all in. Verse 1, it says, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we've heard, or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through the angels has always stood firm. Every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced? Sorry. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself? And, the, the, and then delivered it to us by those who heard him speak. And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. And furthermore, it's not angels who will control the future world we're talking about. For in one place, the scriptures say, what are mere mortals that you should think about them or a son of man that you should care for him? Yet you made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them authority over all things. That's us, folks. That's us. Now, when it, all, when it says all things, it means nothing's left out. But we have not yet seen all things put under this authority. What we do see is Jesus who was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he's now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. You know, it's like I'm thinking back on all these things it's, and, and trying to, to, to fit it all in because uh, and this whole concept and th- this idea of unanswered prayer, you know, it's, it's easy to look at things and say, um, if I were God, this is what I'd do. Or if God really loves me, this is what he should do. Or if there really is a God, why does he allow suffering? If there really is a God, why are children abused? And you know, the thing is, in those two passages we just read, he addresses that. Because he said, look, here's the, here's the way it works. I've created a system. I do love you. I have a plan. But this is the things that are supposed to happen. I've given you this authority. Now what are you going to do with it? And what we like to do is say, well, God, that's not in my program. That's not, that's not my call. That's what the, the guy that's up front, that's, that's his job. You know, the, the, the people that are, are leading our society, that's what they're supposed to do. You know, why aren't you doing something about it? You know, you could just at any given moment, you could take and you just, you could flip that toggle switch and everything would be right. And he said, I, I did. And I did. 
You know, and I thought, and we'll come back to that because I, I want us to think about that because I'm, you know, I think about as I'm going, as I went through scripture and I was praying about this, I started thinking about all of, of the times in scripture that there were unanswered prayer. And, you know, there, there are, there's, there's several that are, that are in there. And we don't, I think sometimes we, we think about all the, the great things that happened that we don't sometimes go back and, and just kind of reflect through Scripture the stuff that, that God didn't do. I think about, you know, uh, Moses asked God if he could see, you know, God asked him, what is it that you'd want? And he said, I'd like to see you face to face. And he says, not going to happen. You won't, you won't live. I think about um, that, uh, that Paul asks, says, Scripture says, he says that three times I sought the Lord to remove this thorn in, in my flesh, and, he, and God's response was, my grace is sufficient. Now, I know that the theologians have argued for years what that thorn in the flesh was. You know, at the end of the day, um, I don't think it matters. I really don't. I mean, you know, you can, you know, we, can we can have a lot that, that theological discussion at a later time if you want, but I think at the, at the end of it all, the thing that mattered was that God's grace was sufficient. You know, so I, and I think about this, and I, um, uh, the, the, the greatest unanswered prayer of all, anybody want to take a, a stab at that, the, the greatest one? Absolutely. Can you imagine? Can you imagine for a moment, Rick said it here, that Jesus in the garden prayed, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from my hands. Can you imagine? Think about where, would we even be here right now if God had said, okay. I'll let that cup pass from your hands. I'll come up with a plan B. But he didn't. I mean, he, he didn't. And he, he said, no, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. I thought, I can't do that all the time because I think most of the time my prayer was, nevertheless, my will, not yours. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. That's where we are most of the time. We look at things and we want to run in all these different directions. And then I think about, you know, as, uh, as I, the trans- I thought about Job also. You know, here is here is Job. You know, here Satan comes into the thro- into uh, into God's throne room, and that's a, a picture that I have a hard time getting in in my head because it's like, what are you doing? Why is he there? Why why even let him in? It's like you know he's a dog, so what? You know, just he's got nothing good to say. But yet here he's having this conversation with God, and God says to him, "Well, you know, have you considered my servant Job?" He's like, yeah, but you know, you you protect him. You know, everything that goes on in his life, you've you've got your hands around, and and I guarantee you, watch what happens. You pull that protection away from him, and all bets are off. He's gonna curse you. I know he will. I just know he will. Well, we know by the story that the, really the only thing that comes from it is that you know, it, it, talk about bad days. You know, if you don't know the story, it's like you read the story of Job, and this has to have taken in your mind because of the number of bad things that happened. This has to have been over years, but this was all in a day. That you know, first that the the, the nomads come in and and uh, and burn all of his barns down and steal his animals and and all and burn his fields, and then a wind comes through and knocks over a house and kills his kids. I mean, that is a bad day. 
by anybody's definition, that's a bad day. And at the end of it, you know, the only thing he's got left is rubble. And, you know, the the, the, the advice of his friends, I, you know, I, I think sometimes we, more, we identify more closely with his friends than we do with him, and we identify way more closely with his wife um, than we do with him, you know, because she looks at all of it and, goes, and, and says, you know, you should just curse God and die. Just go ahead and get it over with because he's already, you know, look, how can you accept this? How can this be Okay. And it's like, you know, why should I choose to, to thank God when good things happen and not stand with Him when bad things happen? That's reasonable. But yet, and then his friends keep coming back saying, well, it has to be unrepentant sin. You did something. You did something. You, you know, God doesn't do this arbitrarily. And my only response to that is, Really? I mean, there's so many things that, in fact, I'll ask you now, if all of you have got every aspect of the nature of God figured out, we need to have a conversation because I need help. Because I just don't. There's things that I... And I think that that's part of what I, of the, uh, of the identity of the whole kingdom theology that works for me, because I understand now and not yet. I really do. I understand that there's things that happen that are really good and are really exciting, and I understand, too, that there are really bad things happen that make no sense. I understand that sometimes, like for Yo, we pray and we see somebody healed, and then I understand other times we pray so diligently for somebody and they die. You know, I understand that sometimes we pray for uh, people who have colds and they see and it goes into pneumonia. I I don't... I don't get it. I really don't. But the thing that I understand, and hopefully by the time we're done, we kind of get to the same page here, that I kind of, I, I, I understand from Job's perspective that sometimes you just go, nope, that's not it. No, it's not unrepentant sin because I've examined my life and I'm not seeing it. Uh, I've looked at the things that I've done, and as far as I know, I've got it all in order. I've done the right things. I'm saying the right things. My heart is in the right place. I want to do the right thing, but it's just not working out. And I know I can't, I, I can't be the only one that's, that's stuck there. Um, I want to share something with you that uh, this is probably my favorite psalm it may be my favorite chapter in all the Bible, but it's definitely my favorite psalm. Go with me to Psalm 73. I think that um, the, this was a psalm of, of Asaph, and I think he had a pretty good grip on this because um, every time I read this, I'm reminded that uh, this is probably pretty real. This is, um, this, is more, this is probably the most accurate reflection of what we all uh, think but we don't want to say out loud. Um, the emotions that we're wrestling with, that we're really not quite sure what to do with, um, because we're almost afraid that if we say it out loud, that um, that God's gonna, gonna he's gonna he's gonna hear, and then he's gonna do something about it. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that if you've already thought it, he's already heard it. You know, and this is the thing that I tell my kids too, that the little exercise that I do, that just even right now, think about this for a second. In your head, um, whisper your name. Don't, don't say it out loud, just whisper it. Could you hear it? Now in your head, do this. I want you to do this. In your head, yell your name. 
Was it louder? Isn't that weird? That God would wire us just like that, so that, that the things that go on within, the, within our brain, He hears all of it. And uh, you know, I'm sure there's some medical term for that. And somebody, if you know it, you can share it with me later because I, I like that stuff too. But I think it's that all those things that, that are going on within us, that, that's, that He hears all that and He treasures all of it. It's amazing. Verse 1, Psalm 73. Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong, they don't have troubles like the rest of us. They're not plagued with problems like the rest of us. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak out only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. I mean, this is kind of, the, the picture here kind of comes back to the same thing that we were talking about from John, that here, were these, here are these people that everything they do seems to just work out good. And you know that their motives are anything but pure. You know that the things that they do are anything but right. And you know that, the, that they're willing to do whatever they've got to do to get where it is they feel like they've got to be. And if they step on you, it just proves to them that much more that this God that we say that we serve is not real. He doesn't care. Because if he really cared about you, he would know that I'm taking advantage of you and he'd stop it. And people hear that and they kind of go, well, that kind of makes sense. Maybe that is true. And then we find ourselves just as he's sitting there going, well, wait a minute. No, that, that's not what, well, no, I know it's not true, but man, it sure seems like a whole lot easier doing it that way than doing it this way seems to be a whole lot less trouble in life if I just kind of go with the flow and kind of keep my opinions to myself and, and don't stand up for anything. You know, it's like the whole thing, the tallest blade of grass is the first one to get chopped by the blade. Um, we, that, you know, just keep my head low. Don't, don't go against the flow um, because you're going to be the first one to get mowed down. says, verse 11, what does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Anybody ever feel that before? I can be alone in it because I know I feel it all the time. Um, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? 
I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. Then he woke up. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task that is. Then I went into your sanctuary. Then I went into your sanctuary, oh God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. You know, here he is, he's, he's looking at this and he's going, wait a minute, that's not true. It, it's not true. That the, the things that you've called me to, that they are absolute, I can count on them. That, the, that this stuff that's over here, that's their reward, and that's now, and it's temporal. In a moment, just like that, it's gone. All this stuff that they thought that, that they were building up, all these kingdoms that they thought that they were building, they're really just empires. That in a moment, somebody bigger, somebody stronger, somebody wealthier is going to come away and is going to sweep their feet out from under them. And in the great scheme of things, when life is over, it's going to all be done. It's not going to amount to anything. And at the end of the day, I can look at things and I can say, God, okay, just like back in John, I can look to you or I can look to people. And if I look to people, I'm going to constantly be looking over my shoulder to say, okay, um, are you okay with that? Did that look good? Do I, do, did I posture myself correctly? Did I, did I say that politically correctly so that, so that I didn't offend anybody? Did I, did I say that so that I didn't hurt your feelings? Did I, did I say it so that you were encouraged but not really challenged to do anything? Because, you know, to, after all, to each his own. Or did I look at it and saying, God, no matter what, my heart is after you and I'm going to pursue you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. Because I'm looking to, I've, I've got to look to you. I've got to look to you because if I don't, I, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how it's going to work out. Well, the fact is, under both scenarios, we don't know how it's going to work out. I mean, let's just be brutally honest. Whether I'm looking to men for approval or I'm looking to God for approval, I don't know how it's going to work out. So what, where can I put my trust? Where can I put my faith? Where can I put those things that can't be measured? Because in the end, only God's approval is going to matter. 
That's all that's going to matter. And that's what he kind of came to here. And I think that it's, it's kind of interesting, too, that how he concludes all this. Um, he says, because those who will desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. He woke up enough to be able to look at things and say, okay, man's approval... <laughs> I'm not going to escape it. I mean, that's the truth. I'm not going to escape it because we, anybody who doesn't say that you like to be affirmed by somebody else, I don't believe you. I mean, I don't. I don't because I know how much it makes me. You know, one of the, the, the greatest things that, um, that I can ever imagine is when um, my, my kids say thank you for something because it's so totally unexpected. <laughs> but it feels awesome, you know? When, when I do something just purely out of, the, out of my heart because I wanted to do it for somebody and, and they recognize that it was selfless and they say thank you, that feels awesome. Well, but if I draw all of my identity from that, I've missed the point of what, of what the psalmist has tried to say here and of, of, of what all, those, uh, all these things and all these unanswered questions. You know, I forget who I was talking to the other day about all this, you know, all these unasked, uh, unanswered questions. I've got lots of them. You know, I've got lots of unanswered questions prayers and unanswered questions. I'm constantly thinking of things, and, I, and my friends will say, why in the world would you ever think of that? It's like, that's so far off of my radar. Why would you? Well, you know, I just was thinking. I was wondering. I think it's good to wonder. I think it's good to, I think it's healthy to think. You know, I, that's, we live in a generation where that's beca- it's become a lost art. You know, I'm, I'm firmly convinced, and I've shared this with some of my friends, that one of the biggest issues that our kids have today is not that they're uninspired, but they've been raised to do everything by prompt. You know, every, everything that the, from the electronic games they play, to it just says, okay, what do you want me to do next? And if they're not prompted, there's no reason to do something next because it hasn't been prompted. I think it's, it's healthy to think. It's healthy to question. It's healthy um, it, to, to work through these things and try and, and figure out what's going on. So I thought that a good place to, to end this would be in uh, Philippians. And I'll, um, because I, I do know that there, we all have unasked, unanswered prayers. And we've all had the time that we've said, okay, God, when are you going to answer that? And is it just that your grace is sufficient? You can speak up anytime you like. We'll keep this open dialogue. I will, um, giving uh, credit where credit is due, Jake, you can thank your dad that he got mentioned in service this morning. Um, had coffee with, with Richard Dempsey, who a lot of you know, on, on uh, Thursday morning. And he was uh, talking about how he just was uh, kind of wrestling with some stuff, too, that um, in his quiet time, 
about some of these about these things, this que- these questions that he's asked, and and um, why haven't I gotten the answer to to this? And um, and those of you that are in sales understand this too. Why is it so long between good commissions? Um, you know, why is it? How how do I juggle this? And you know, should I pursue that? And what am I focused on? They're all good questions. They don't always have good answers, but they have, they're good questions. Anyway, look at this. Is um, says uh, Philippians chapter four. Chapter four is a great chapter, by the way, and we won't read the whole thing now. Work through it um, another time because that's where he says, "By you know, pray at all times." How do you do that? But that's a that's a message for another another time. Pray without ceasing. Yeah, that's a good um, verse four. Always be full of joy in the Lord. When I say it again, rejoice. Okay. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. I think all by, if we just stopped right there, that's, that, that's enough to do. If you just did those three things for the next two weeks, ah, just today. Get through today doing those three things. You're going to be really busy. Seriously, it says, start just, okay, first rejoice. Okay. Let everyone see that you're considerate. You know, I, th- I think that's probably one of the hardest ones because I guarantee you that if you, if you decide right now that when you go out that you're going to do the rest of the day, you're going to be considerate. The first time you get cut off in traffic, you're going to say, okay, that one's done. Because who are they to be so inconsiderate? So, but let everyone see you're considerate. And remember, the Lord is coming soon. Well, how soon is soon? Well, sooner than yesterday. Well, can we be a little more definitive? Soon. You know, it's like when, again, when your kids ask you, soon. <laughs> soon, well, you know, like a minute, <laughs> five minutes, <laughs> 30,000 more years? Who knows? Okay, now here's where where the rubber meets the road. Verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Guilty. I mean, if I can't own it, how can I ask you to? I don't worry about everything, but I worry about, I worry about a lot of things. And the, the, the thing that's, that, that I find that's true about that is most of the things that I really am worried about never happen. So what a waste of energy that is. So, you know, okay, I'll worry less. Now he says don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Okay, well... God, you know that I'm worried about this, so um, help me focus my worry. No, that's not what he's saying. He's, he's saying to be able to come to that place where, I, God, I'm, I, I've got to give this over to you because it's killing me. It's, it's rotten me from the inside out. Take it. But then remember to thank him for all he's done. 
you know, I think sometimes we get in such a hurry to get ahead of what God's doing because we, we've got this list of things. You know, we've got our nice checklist of things that, okay, God, here are all the things to do. You, do, you, you don't have any checks over here yet, God. I can't, I, you know, I can't do anything else. Um, or, you know, God, let's make a deal. If you'll do this then I'll do this. Um, yeah, that doesn't usually work either. You know, I know that the whole thing about fleeces too, and this is a rabbit trail we'll come back with. You know, that only happened once in all of Scripture. Um, so if you're using that as your measuring tool as to whether or not that God is saying to do something or not, he only did it once. There was only one burning bush. There was only one time with the fleece. Well, okay, I'll, get, I'll take that back. There were two things with the fleece. But it was the same circumstance because he was trying to get out of it. But that's a different story. We'll go that. Um, turn it over to him. Thank him for all he's done. I mean, the, the, the fact is that even if you look at your life and go, you know, you, you don't know what you're asking because my life has been miserable. And I think that there's people that that really, that's where they're, they're stuck, that they're in that place where life really has been a challenge. And if you're being fair to them in the way that you're looking at it, you can look at it and go, yeah, your life really has been hard. It has been. But you still have breath. You can be thankful for that. You've got, you've got hope of a future well, you know, what, what kind of future is it doing? There is a hope for a future. There's always hope for a future. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He's done. Then, then, you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. I think it's really interesting if you look at this in context, is he doesn't say, okay, wait for my peace, and then you'll understand. He says, do it. Do the stuff. And this is not, I I, I think we've done the church a disservice and sometimes because we've said, you know, that whole fake it till you make it kind of deal. I think that's a disservice. I think sometimes we just have to, we have to hold on to what we know is true and thank him for those things, even when things aren't working out. We need to thank Him for the things that we know that are true, the things that have worked out, and know that if it's true, he's, it's going to change. Um, and it does. It exceeds our understanding. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers, here's the exercise. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, like we needed one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Let me ask you right now, just even as you're sitting right now, what's something that you absolutely know unequivocally that you would stake your life on that you know it's true? For me, I know that unequivocally, I know that Jesus loves me and I know that Lee loves me. I question frequently why. But I know it's true. I know it's true. And I, and I can hang on to that and I can say, okay, I know it's true. I can concentrate on that. Even when nothing else seems to make sense, I can grab onto that and I can know it's true. Honorable, 
You know, Scripture says greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend. I can know that the most honorable thing that anybody could ever do was Jesus laying down his life for me. I can concentrate on that and say, that's honorable. What's right? (laughs) I know that even when God doesn't make sense, he's right. Even when the things that he's doing don't work into my worldview, they don't work into my theology, they don't work into the way that I want things to work out, I know that his ways are always right. And I can concentrate on those things. And pure. You know, I was thinking about this too. You know, one of the the purest things that I have ever seen is the love of an infant as he's looking in his mother's eyes. Is that, the most, that is the most pure thing you can look for. And, it, and looking at that, just seeing that, that this, this, this total trust and everything that, that flows from that baby to its mother, like, I can see you, so everything's great. I can, I can feel your heartbeat, so it's, it's really good. I can't think of anything more pure than that. Can Can you? If you do, think about that thing. You can put that on your list. Lovely. What's lovely? (laughs) Admirable. You know, those things that, those actions that people have that you hold in such high esteem, think about those things. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. I think if we will do these things, then those things that unanswered prayers that we've been asking for, will begin to see them in context and understand that there is plenty to be thankful for. There is plenty to continue to pursue God about even when the things that we've asked for are not coming out the way that we wanted. I think that it's, um, it's really kind of, uh, as, a, as a transition here, I want to I work into um, communion. I thought that this was what a, a great time to be able to make this transition um, from whatever it is that God is saying to you through the stuff that we've talked about today into communion. Communion is, is one of the most uh, incredible privileges that we get. And I think regardless of the tradition that you come from, whether it's, you know, Rick and I were talking about this, you know, because I, my concern was that, well, we just did communion last week. I don't want it to lose con- uh, its significance. And Rick was like, I was Catholic. We could do it all the time, and I'd be good with that. Um, and... Um, but I think that there's a, you know, the, when you look at it in, in context, um, I think it's, it is, it's, it's a, a, a sacred moment that we don't want to take lightly. You know, it's because, you know, here it was, it was the last thing that, that Jesus did with his disciples is he did communion with them. You know, and I know that, um, you know, we, uh, that we celebrate an open communion here and so that we, you know, we open it to everybody. But one of the things that um, it was brought up, and I think that this is, this is valid, that um, we don't want to, how to say this so that it's, it flows in context. 
I think that it's the greatest responsibility as parents is for us to teach our children the significance of what communion is and why we do it. And that it's important that our kids participate in it, but I think it's, it's equally important that they understand what it is that we're asking them to do. And I'm not, I'm not going to stand here and, and say, okay, um, th- this child is ready and this child isn't. That's, this is a responsibility that I think you need to take, that each of us needs to take seriously um, as, we, as we do this, is does my child understand? And if they don't, then it's your responsibility to explain to them exactly what it is that we're doing. Because he said that when you do this, think of me. So that when he took the bread and said, this is my body that was broken, that's going to be broken for you. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Are they understanding that? If you don't think they are, then you, it's your responsibility to explain it to them. And then he said, this is my, the blood of, my, uh, of the New Testament that's shed for the remission of sins. Mission, that's a good big word. Um, I don't know that I fully get that because, well, we won't chase that one. But that is the, that is the act, his, his selfless act of being willing to let the cup pass from his hands is what guarantees us eternal life. And that life flows from that blood. You know, there is, there is more power that flows from that single drop of Jesus' blood that can ever flow from any good act that I can commit. I mean, think about that. And continues. So to, to think about that as we do that, um, what I'd like to do is, um, I guess Jim and Ann are, are coming. Or I guess Bob and, and Jerry are Jerry didn't know she volunteered. <laughs> I want to, um, as we as we do communion now, are the are the kids going to be joining us or? Either way, um, what I, I would would someone at the back go ahead and uh, tell uh, Children's Church they can bring the kids back in. Thank you. We do have open communion. So if you believe, we want you, to, we want you to participate. What I don't want is you to feel rushed, okay? Um, if you feel like you need some time to just kind of prepare your heart because of the things that have been shared here this morning and any part of it, then don't rush. We'll be here all morning. We'll be here all day if we have to. Because the worst thing that I that I would want is anybody to feel like, okay, I, I'm I'm just I'm going through the motions because this is what I've got to do. He says, consider your heart. If you hold anything against somebody, deal with it. Well, if that's if that's you here this morning, deal with it. If you feel like you want to come up and and take your communion here uh, after you've been served, cool. If you feel like you want to get it and you want to go back to your seat, equally cool. If you feel like um, you want to collect communion for your family and serve to each other, I'm good with that too. However it is that God has moved on your heart this morning that you want to do communion, that's what we want you to do. 
And then after, we're gonna, we'll enter into a time uh, of worship um, and we'll open the, the altars for any, anybody that needs prayer at that time, okay? So that's kind of what's gonna happen from, from here out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for meeting us here this morning. Thank you that you speak in ways that don't always make sense to us. You do things in and around and through our lives that, that sometimes, if we're honest, we miss because we're focused on the wrong thing. But as this, we come into this time of communion right now, I ask first and foremost, would you help us focus on the sacrifice that you made, Jesus? You willingly gave your body to be broken for us, to set a way that uh, we could make it to the Father when there was no way. And you willingly shed your blood through a humiliating death on the cross so that we could be completely forgiven of all our sins. Thank you for meeting us in this place.